All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. This is a Web Canopy Studio production. Everybody, welcome to Dropping the Gloves. Tim, why are you smiling? I'm just laughing at you. Why? I don't know. We'll find out. What do you have to talk about today? Well, our usually happy, upbeat podcast. There's been some bad news in the NHL lately. The, the hockey world in general. I was supposed to do an interview with some Edmonton TSN broadcaster. I was all gearing up for it. And he passes me a, a text like 10 minutes before our interview. He says, hey, we can't do the the interview, Joey Moss passed away. And I was, it took me a while to kind of click in what that meant and who that was. I obviously had never played in Edmonton, but I grew up there until the age of five. And then I moved out. So I, I still keep tabs on Edmonton and Joey Moss was the locker room attendant and he had some disabilities, some mental disabilities, and he was a fixture at Edmonton. And so to hear that he passed away was kind of a big deal for the hockey world. You know, you, you go around to these rinks and you you see the personalities that they, they have around their team. And Joey Moss was a fixture when you go to Edmonton. You would go to the bench, he'd be filling up water bottles, he'd be walking around the, the hallways, he'd always, you know, have a huge smile on his face. He, he'd be just friends with everybody. So he was one of the highlights of going to Edmonton, especially for me if I didn't play. You know, I would always see him cruising around, grabbing water, helping people, saying hi to everybody. We would always enter the same door as the Oilers, and we would exit the same door as the Oilers. So I, I crossed paths with him quite a bit. And it's just um, – it was sad to hear that he passed away. You know, he's just one of these guys you just expect to see at the room – or at the rink, excuse me. And um, for him to pass away, it was, you know, it was not not easy to hear that. And – uh, I, I feel bad. You know, I pray for his family and the Oilers and everybody else. And he was just such a great guy who brought a lot to the rink. And I didn't realize the the story which got him to Edmonton, which was even more interesting. You know, usually 
when you have someone working at the rink who has disabilities, a, a player, you know, brings them to the rink or, or someone in the organization, there's, there's a gentleman in Nashville, we call him partner. I don't even know his name, but he's, he's, his name is partner because every time you meet him, he goes, Hey man, Hey partner. And <laughs> that's just who he is. He's partner. He's always around the locker room. He's always busting chops. He's just this big guy. He's great. So in Edmonton, I guess the story behind Joey Moss, where he was brought to the rink by Wayne Gretzky in 1985, because Gretz was marrying or um, dating his sister. So how, how cool is that? Wayne Gretzky goes on a date with your sister and then Wayne Gretzky sees you. And he's like, you know what? You're a big Oilers fan. Come to the rink. And he brings this guy to the rink. At that time, this kid, he probably was, was 85. So it was, what, 40 years ago? So he must have been 17, 16 years old. And he just brings him to the rink. And then it snowballs since then. Now he's been at the rink for that long, just involved in the team. I'm sure he takes a minimal pay. You know what I mean? And he just got to be around the team. And it probably just lifted his life hopefully a lot just by that little, just by that little kind of moment from Gretzky, be like, yeah, come to the rink. And then obviously Joey ran with it because he's got such a great personality and he brings so much joy to everybody who's around him. So I don't know. It was sad to see him pass away because there's not many, um, not many guys like him. So that was, that was tough. It's always tough when someone dies who is just so ingrained in a team. I, I know every locker room you go to, you have one or two guys who they've been there forever. And every time you see them, they're always, you know, happy no matter what. And Joey was one of those guys. So it was, it was sad to see him go. It's, it's one of those, it's a bad, bad moment in hockey, but it's also good because you got to, you know, know him and meet him and be around him and experience Joey Moss. So for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. But for those of you who do, I'm sure you understand that Joey Moss was one of the good ones. And it's this, the story of how he got there was even cooler. Gretzky bringing him there. And <laughs> I just think that's really neat. You know, really, really cool hockey story. But anyway, so that was one of the sad moments, Tim. It, it just kind of jumped up on me. I was about to do this interview. We were going to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks. And I was going to trash him again. And we were going to talk about the Oilers. And I was going to talk about how bad the Oilers were. And I was just going to be super negative. And then he drops his bombshell on me. I was like, man. Does it even matter? Like someone just passed away and I'm sitting here complaining about the Oilers and Blackhawks and it's just so trivial. But anyways, and then we got hit with another bombshell, another hockey person, personality passed away. Travis, is it Roy or Wah? It's Roy. Travis Roy. So for those of you who don't know his story, Travis Roy was a BU hockey player. He grew up in Massachusetts um, got a scholarship to BU. It was his lifelong dream. His first shift for BU, he falls down, slides into the boards. 11 seconds into his first shift, he's paralyzed from the neck down. And that was it. And so after that, he really dedicated himself to protecting players there on out. He really – how many foundations did he start? Two or three foundations to try to analyze spinal cord injuries, try to – um, move that needle a little bit because once someone gets paralyzed nowadays, you just you just kind of write them off. It's like no, they're not, they're not coming back. They're paralyzed. So he he has what is it called? Not donated. He has raised got, raised. That's it. He's <laughs> raised millions and millions and millions of dollars for research to try to cure spinal paralyzation to try to help that needle move a little bit. And he's actually they were just saying that he could he gained the, the use of his hand where he could move his wheelchair around now with the joystick. So 
he was completely paralyzed from the neck down, but through therapy, through surgeries, through all this stuff, he had gained the use of his hand. So he was able to kind of, and once you're paralyzed, it cuts the blood flow off to your whole body. And that, that's the issue, I think, where your, your body is basically dead because there's no blood flow getting to it. So I don't know the ins and outs. I'm not a doctor, but he passed away. He was having some kind of surgery to make his life more comfortable. I'm sure he was in constant pain. And they were giving him maybe a surgery to help him use some of the extremities. I don't know to open up blood flow, but he passed away due to complications to that. So Tim, you're from the Boston area. Was Travis Roy a big part of that area? Yeah. I mean, everyone knew his story. I think like his, that book, he wrote a book called 11 seconds, which told um, that story and, and what he had done after. And um, I remember it being on like summer reading list, like in high school and stuff, middle school. And there's a popular one for, for, for kids who like sports um and he was a he was a well-known I never met him but he's a familiar face at, at the garden um probably at Fenway too where he would just you know people recognized who he was they knew who he was he'd drop the puck or um you know be on on the on the field for the national anthem or different things like that um yeah I mean it's a it's a really sad story but he's he's one of those guys that something horrible happened to him and he just spent the rest of his life trying to make it sure that it never happened to anybody else. Um, and he, like you said, he raised millions. He had some really cool events, some wiffle ball events that, that raised a lot of money, like these tournaments where people would come play and get to meet him and stuff. I knew some guys that went to some of those. And it's just, uh, it's it's really inspirational. And same with, with uh, Joey Moss too, you know, guys maybe just dealt a bad hand, but he never complained, only joy, only happiness, only passion for the sport and helping others. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's inspiring to see. And like you said, it's sad to that they're both gone, but it's, you have to just think about the, the life that they, they lived and what they brought to the world, what they brought to the game of hockey and what hockey gave back to them. So, uh, I think you, you know, you, um, summed it up really nicely, John. Yeah. It, it's just sad. You know, th- this happens, obviously life is, is temporary. So it was, um, it was just a kind of bang, bang thing where two of these guys who bring so much to two different organizations pass away. So I don't know, like we said, prayers to them and your family. Um, what are you going to do? And on another, not a sad note, but just like a strange note and an angry note almost. So the Coyotes pick this past year, they didn't have a draft pick until the fourth round. And their first pick, you, you figure with all of the time to research players, to get your ducks in a row, you only have a few picks in this NHL draft. Your owner is a minority owner, which is very rare in the NHL. He's of, I want to say Latin descent, or I don't know what his background is, but he's, he's a minority owner. So you obviously are very aware of the things going on. You decide to draft Mitchell Miller. All great, you know, prospect, you know, going to go to the University of North Dakota, big kid. Do you do any research? Do you get do any background checks? Because the things that Mitchell was accused of and um, he, gosh, I am like struggling with words today. Do you ever have any of those days where you just can't think of words? Easy words. Yes, yeah, of course. It was my mind. Things that Mitchell Miller admitted to. Do you think the Coyotes knew about this? And okay, so Mitchell Miller, he admitted to bullying a disabled black teenager in high school continuously over and over and over again. And the the fact that this person's black has nothing to do with that. I don't like, I don't know why I even said that. I, I don't know, like but he, it. but he called him the N word and stuff. Oh, he did. Yeah. Well, that, that changes That's part everything. of it. Yeah. I didn't see that. So that changes it even worse. So this kid does all these terrible, hor- horrific things and the coyotes just gloss over it. 
And it's not like you're drafting a first round guy who could be a franchise changing player where you might have to have these conversations that are going to affect your, your team for years to come. This guy's a fourth rounder. He's never going to see the show unless he like really changes his play and just busts out and just has a, is a great season. The chances of a fourth rounder making the NHL are slim to none. And so for the coyotes to make this pick at this time, in this state of the country and the world, it's, it's insane. Even if the country wasn't, in the state it's in right now, it's still insane to make this pick. Like this guy's a bully. He's an a-hole. He deserves to never play in the NHL. Like there is a punishment for a crime. And I know people say, Oh, you know, he's changed his ways. I don't think he has, you know, it, it, you can't do these horrific things and all of a sudden get a pass to play in the NHL. I think you, there's a certain standard you have to set and good for the coyotes. Once the, once the pressure mounted on them and they, they kind of heard the vitriol that was coming from all, not even just the Twitter. I know I talked about that with the Hawks. It was coming from everywhere. Other team owners, other GMs, other sports, they were just like, what is happening? And they just said, you know what? We denounce our rights. We, don't, we renounce our rights to this kid. So, you know, have him if you want him. And I think they made the right decision, but it just, it just goes to show you the, just the lack of professionalism with the coyotes it's like you, you think they they knew about this or do you think they never found it when they were i think they, i think they knew because in the statement that they made initially they defended the pick they said you know what miller's changed his ways that was a long time ago and he he really is regretful for everything i guess this kid he sent out a letter to all 31 teams apologizing for the incident saying he was young and silly and it just you know it got out of hand and he shouldn't have done it and he's really regretful for doing it but you still it's just like the Ray Rice thing in football it's just like all these different incidents there are things where if you do that them you deserve to be banned for life there are certain things you cannot do this kid this Isaiah Meyer Crothers he's from what I understand he's disabled and he's just, an, it's a low hanging fruit. If you're going to pick on somebody, it's like you are a really terrible person. If you're going to go out of your way to pick on someone who is so much weaker than you are. And you're this big stud hockey player. Who's probably the cock of the walk at your high school. And you're just going to be the man by picking on like this inferior person physically. You know what I mean? It's just get, get out of town. It's just, there, there's no place for that anywhere. And I'm glad they walked away from this pick. I'm glad they finally righted the righted the wrong, and I don't know. What's, do you have any take on it? Because I just saw this, and I was like, this kid is a piece of work. And, like, is it just a state of how people are these days? Everyone's just so angry and evil? Uh, no. I mean, I, I think, like, my, my instinct when I see stuff like this is, like, you, you can't uh, attack, ban, cancel everyone for everything they did when they were teenagers, right? But there are certain things that are just unforgivable, and this is one of them. You can't like the stuff that he was doing and saying and bullying a, a guy like that is just like, okay, you don't, you, you, you're not sorry. You got caught. That's what it yeah. is. But, but I, it never crossed my mind. I assumed that the coyotes never found this. Like I, I assumed that they had just not, maybe they, even though it was their first pick, it was still a fourth round and they didn't spend as much time as they might've on this draft. Cause they didn't have the picks in the early rounds. So they just never found this on this kid. Um, but honestly, I, I mean, it's not much worse to not find it than it is to find it and, and look you know, look over. You know what I mean? You have to do the due diligence on these guys. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. I guess I just never thought of the fact they might have known about this and drafted him anyway. Yeah, no, they knew about it. The whole NHL knew about it. He sent a letter to everybody. It was a well-known thing. I guess Frank Cervelli, he wrote an article saying there was gasps in the war room when he was drafted. Teams could not believe that someone would touch this kid. Wow. And so it's it's actually funny. This this ruins this kid's career even worse, this Miller. Because he if he does not get picked, he kind of flies under the radar. The more time that passes, probably, you know, heals wounds a little bit more. But now this kid is buried. There's no way he'll ever touch the NHL. I'd be surprised if his scholarship doesn't get yanked or something. But, you know, that's the price you pay for being a terrible person. It's a small price to pay because this poor kid who got bullied by him probably didn't deserve any of it. And then he's got this to watch this guy getting drafted into the NHL. It's just like, come on, man. Come on, man. Sound like Joe Biden. Come on, man. Not okay. But anyways, so those are the three just like bang, bang, bang stories where it's just like, Man, a tough week in the NHL. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving. And that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. Just say you have an employee who is constantly late to, late to meetings, you know, sleeps in, looks terrible when you're on Zoom calls. You know, say say someone like Tim, who just, you know, doesn't really put the effort in. You go to Indeed.com and you search all of the qualified people on their website. You will find someone and you will find someone fast with 73% of online jobs, job seekers visiting Indeed each month. Indeed is going to get you the important hire you, you need just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportbook experts. Well, on top of that, there's, there's no real news happening in the NHL as far as signings, trades, like nothing big is coming down. A couple of uh, restricted free agents are signing before they go to arbitration. But it's not like not really big surprises there. No huge names, no huge contracts. So it's, it's just it's a dry week right now. Well, no, we actually found out who's going to win the Stanley Cup next year. So that's exciting. Who's that? Stanley Tampa Bay Lightning. Because of Pat Maroon? Yeah, he resigned with them. So now everywhere Pat Maroon goes, the Stanley Cup follows. So Tampa Bay will win it for the next two years. So congratulations to them. Three year. That's a dynasty, don't you think? Three years in a row? When's the last time that happened? Not since like the 80s, right? Something like that. I would that. say the Oilers were the last team to win consecutive trophies. 
well, three, in, three in a row. Yeah, because yeah. Penguins did a couple in a three row. Three in a row, I think, because the Oilers did it four in a row. So I think that's the last time. Yeah. So congrats uh-huh. to the Tampa Lightning. That's huge. Yeah, stick taps to the Lightning. I do not like stick taps. <laughs> it's so terrible. You always it always sends a shrill up my spine. It's like a shiver. I'm like I hate that saying. There's some sayings that are really good. There's some that are just terrible. Stick taps, stick taps for this. What are some other bad ones? There's like um, dusters. I don't like that when people call people dusters. Benders. Benders. I don't mind benders because it actually makes sense. You're an ankle bender. Yeah. Can't skate. What does a duster mean? I don't know. Hoser. What about that one? You're getting dusty on the bench. Is that what it means? Because you're sitting. Maybe collecting dust. Maybe that's it. I still, well, I guess I like it a little more than other days. <laughs> I don't know what a hoser means. I, I don't know, know what that means. It's, what uh, I think it's actually a Canadian term, but back in like the earlier days of hockey, uh, there weren't Zambonis and stuff. You had to hose the ice after, and the losing nice. team had to hose it. So if you're on the losing team, you're a hoser. So that's what oh, it, that's where it comes from. That's my favorite one. <laughs> I like that one the best. I really do. But anyways, yeah, like you said, there's not much happening there was um, the Dallas Stars. Did you see their new oh, jerseys? Awful. You don't like those? No. Why? They look like from the movie Tron or something. I tweeted out like, oh, this is perfect if you want to play hockey in a laser tag arena. It's just like if, you're, if your jersey is like glow in the dark. It makes no sense. I'm not a fan. You it's going to be hard to look at. You need to consult me when you send these tweets because I like them. <laughs> yeah. I think they're just neat looking. Don't what do you, you like about it? Just the brightness of them. I think they're really cool. I don't know. I think it's going to be different, especially if there's going to be no fans watching this year. You got to do something to kind of stand out and make the game exciting a little bit when you're watching on TV. Imagine if they played the games under blue lights. How great these jerseys would look. <sighs> like an all-star game, just make it all blue li- blue lights, and then these guys would just be on fire. It's, I like them. You, you don't know style, Tim. You don't know yeah. style. You wouldn't know style if it came out the bitch in the behind. But I don't know. I like that. I know people are talking about how COVID's going to impact all this stuff, all the draft picks, all the prospects, because all these prospects are used to having camps and stuff and going to the, to the NHL team and doing little sessions with the organization to get themselves ready for professional life. But now you don't have that. You, you can't travel. You can't do anything. And how are they going to adjust? Is it going to stunt their growth? not being able to have these little camps and preseason tournaments and all these interactions with the weight staff, the coaching staff, the team being around everybody. Does that affect this year's rookies? And are we going to see less first year guys on starting day rosters just because they don't have that month, month and a half to prepare? Cause I know when I, I wasn't a typical rookie, but when I got picked up by the wild, I was doing prospects camps in Minnesota all summer where I would go and they would put you up in a hotel and you would stay in Minnesota for the week. They'd bag skate you. They'd tell you the systems. You'd meet the coaches. You'd meet all the staff. Then they would teach you how to work out. They would teach you how to live. And then they would follow up with you. So you'd come back to Minnesota like two or three times more that summer to do the same thing. So, and I'm sure they do even more now, especially more with the high-end draft picks where they are so invested in you. Do you think that stunts their growth and for how long? Well, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. Are we going to start seeing the next two or one or three draft 
classes be a little bit weak because of the COVID, the virus, like when they're supposed to be entering their prime and getting really ready to play professional hockey, even like the, the 17, 18 year olds, they're not, suddenly not playing hockey. If, if, or maybe they are if they're lucky, but they're not doing all the extra stuff that they, they have been doing or that the elite players around the country and around the world would be doing normally at that age to get ready for the show. So maybe it's there's a, not a slight dip in like raw talent, but just like in, in preparedness where you start to see fewer and fewer guys right out of the draft year making it onto a pro team or having an impact. And it's not the first time, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago, like why are some draft classes just not – are so much weaker than others, so much better than others, right? Um, so it's not like it's not, it's not that unusual to have a weaker draft class for a year or two. But I wonder, I got to think that that totally makes sense to me that we we might see a little bit of a dip there. Yeah, if if I don't know if a dip is the word, but maybe the impact initially isn't there. Where it a takes, divot. What's that? A divot, maybe, maybe not a dip. Yeah, a divot where it takes a few years for these guys to really be a, a big part of the team, whereas now. Guys come out in their first year and they were shining. So it's interesting. I know when we had the lockout in whatever year it was, 2014 or 16 or whatever, I don't know, but 10, 2010, I can't remember. But um, <laughs> 14, 13. It was, hard, it was hard to work out because you're, you're so, I don't want to, I guess, spoiled with just being able to go to the rink and being able to look at the board and say, okay, John, this is what you're doing today. And you're going to work out with this guy or I'm going to walk you through this. It's so it's such a luxury to be able to have that. And you have that in the summer a little bit because they give you a booklet. They make it dummy proof. And it, and it is. You go to the gym. Every single day is mapped out. This is how you warm up. This is how you stretch. These are the weights you're going to use. You write your numbers here. And then they make it literally dummy proof for every single guy. And I, I enjoyed that because when it comes to that stuff, I'm a dummy. If, if you leave me to my own devices in a weight room, I'm not going to know what to do. I just walk around and I lift up some weights here and there. And I, I just end up on the bike for 45 minutes because I don't want to do anything else. So during the lockout, I found it difficult. I, I would go to my local gym. I didn't have people around me. I didn't have the right equipment. And when you don't have that person there pushing you, there's only so many days in a row where you can go to the gym and be like, I'm going to push this. I'm going to kill it. And for these kids, I'm guessing they don't have the financial wherewithal yet to be able to hire a personal trainer to be able to, you know, have the right equipment around them. They're probably going to their local YMCA and grinding it out or maybe going to their junior teams and hopefully, but still you can't be around people. And it's just, it's a very, very strange circumstance to be a rookie these days. And what happens if the NHL doesn't start up this year and then they're going to be two draft classes coming into one. There's a lot of stuff that's happening right now where, what what is going to happen like the nba is already talking about the toronto raptors playing in the usa next year there's a lot of strange things that are kind of have the blue jays played in buffalo this past season so i think people just don't know this covid thing doesn't seem to be going away and people there there has to become a time where people are just tired of it it's like like, is that uh was 2013 the the lockout of the year that you spent like all of um Christmas break, just like eating and drinking and not working out. And then they said, Hey, you got to be back next week. It's the heaviest I've ever been in my whole life. <laughs> I almost was pushing 290 pounds. Like oh, I was, no way. I, I think my heaviest when I jumped on the scale was 287, 288. I just, I thought the season was canceled and I, and I jumped on the scale. It was like a week before Christmas. And I was like, you got to control yourself, man. Cause I was, <laughs> I was really indulging. I was boozing and eating and not even like doing anything it was cold outside i'd go tobogganing with the kids like there was no activity happening there was no skating i think i might have skated once a week 
And then, yeah, we get the call just after Christmas saying, you know, camp's starting next week. And I went into like, honestly, just shock where I didn't eat yeah. anything. I was just cardio, 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 cardio for every day. And that was a season I played like every game. Like I, I, I was. I was Buffalo. Buffalo where Teddy Nolan put me on the third line and I was playing like 10, 15 minutes a game, which was great. But I also was just completely exhausted by the, I got the end of it. I want to hear Danielle's side of the story. What she remembers about that call in that week and you being 20 pounds overweight. I know she probably was just shaking her head at me. Look at you <laughs> walking around thinking you're so good. Like you're disgusting to me. I know what she could take, but it's, uh, yeah. it happens. And these kids, we'll see what happens. You know, if, if the, if the crop this year isn't as good as the crop in previous years, because I think it's totally, totally reasonable to think that because yeah, they have nothing to do. They, they can't go work out with the teams and the teams probably hate it too. It's like, I want to get my hands on, uh, Who's the number one pick? What's his name? Lafreniere. Yeah. Rangers want to get him in and, you know, start working on him. But he's living in Canada. He can't even come to the States. So it's just it's a strange time. It's been nine months. Can you believe that? Nine so, months since this pandemic began. I, I don't believe it. It's crazy. It's insane. And here in Michigan, the governor just, like, locked us down even more. Now if we go to a restaurant, we have to, like, give give them our name and phone number I don't know, just in I case didn't see that. someone for, gets for contact tracing. Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> just give him my, my name. My, my buddy texted up. me. He's like, John Scott's going to be eating out tonight. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's great. But it's just, uh, I, I that stuff scares me. It's like, anytime you have to give someone your information, I know it's just for a silly restaurant thing. I'm like, why do you need this? You know, are you going to have my information and use it against me to control me? Do you want to plant a, a, a chip under my skin? So I'm going to be like just a cog in the machine. This is why I, you're I moving to a property in the middle of the woods and just. I'm just yeah. going to stockpile weapons too. And you're going to booby trap that thing. No, I'm just going to have a lot of guns and I'm going to lock them up safely and responsibly. But I will have weapons of a bow. I'll have a couple guns, shotguns. I'm not going to go overboard. I won't have handguns, but you know, I don't have any right now, but I need to go out and get some. Not like you, Tim. You have an arsenal in your house. Oh, I sure do. How's the house going, by the way? Floors are going to be done today. You're coming out tomorrow to do the door. Yeah, do you want do you want to help tonight too? Are you going to be yeah. there? Yeah, come on out. More than merry. Well, I don't know. If, we'll see. I'll text you. So, what do you got going on tomorrow? You, you committed to a whole day's worth of help, and then you just uh, I did not commit to a day. You're like, hey, can you help me put in like a door? Yeah, yeah. Then you put some the restrictions on. It has to be between nine and two because I have plans. No, I did not say that. I said let's do it in the morning because I got I have plans after. Okay, I got the plumber coming over at 8.30, so I'll be there fairly early. The door, I'll take the nails off today. That's what we can do tonight is take the Which nails door off. door is it? The screen door that doesn't slide, Tim. The only door we put in. Oh, oh we got to do that one again? Yes. That disaster. We got to level it out, make sure it's plumb, and hopefully when we put it on, it'll slide like butter. And then that's it. Then the floors will be done, and the painting will be done, and I can stop working. I can start moving. It would be good if we can get the door tonight and then just do the the uh what the stove tomorrow. Yeah, the fireplace. If you want to try to bang that door out tonight, it just gets so dark. You know, it's I I don't like how dark it stays in the morning because I'm used to waking up and the sun rises like at six thirty. Today I popped my eyes open. I thought it was like two in the morning. It was seven a.m. I was like, holy cow! Like I got to get my day started. It just it, I don't like that. 
I don't like it. I'm not used to it. I like to get up early and have the sun shining. So my, my rule of thumb is I always try to get up before the sun rises. I think that's a good little, little goal for people. Get up and be productive before the sun rises. Well, it's easy this time of year. The sun rises is like 730. That's what I mean. I feel lazy because I wake up and it's already eight o'clock and I haven't done anything. I've done this stupid podcast. So <laughs> it's, not, it's not even bright outside yet. It's still slowly. The sun's peeking its head over the horizon. But anyways, Tim, hopefully next week we can have a, just a more positive podcast instead of all the negative things. You know, that's all I got. I don't got anything else. It'll be a good weekend. Hopefully we can get some uh, sunshine and uh, tip a couple back after we do some work. What do you think? Yeah, sounds great. All right, everybody. I hope you guys have a good weekend, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for the support. And now listen to Tim's desperate recording that we always do at the end of each show. Please, 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 please um, like our our uh, podcast. Please, pretty please. Are you that way with girls? Please date me. Please, please, please. <laughs> pretty please take me out. I'm so sad. Is that, what you, is that how you get your dates? Yeah, it, yeah it works really well. Just yeah. guilt, guilt them into it. Oh, I'm so sad. Please, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I, I, it would not surprise me if that's how kids do it these days. I'm so sad. Make me feel better. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, have a good weekend, and we will talk to you on Monday. Cheers. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Dropping Underscore Gloves for episode highlights, behind-the-scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise including t-shirts, hats, hoodies, and so much more. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love. Thanks, and see you next time.